this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Mel Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. A ten. That's a ten. It's like the middle of the room. It's good on this one. It is good in this one. That's right. So welcome. It's our first episode of Dust, the real Dust, Dust not the setup. proper. Is this yeah. is this our first time having Travis do the previously on the Adventure Zone? Yeah. Or did he did he do it on nights? Because I don't I don't think he did it on nights. Yeah, because I was gonna say I'm pretty sure it was Griffin, but it's been a while since I listened. I don't know if nights even had a previously. Um, as someone who never listened to nights, whoops. Is it one episode or is it like several? Is it a stream? It's split. It's, it's is it three three total in the end? Because I know the one did okay. wasn't wasn't that two parts? So I'm pretty sure it was three total. Yeah. Also, spoiler alert, everybody. It's definitely. A oh yeah. Whoops. On Taz nights. <laughs> All right. It's a fun yeah. surprise. Maybe cut that out, Anne. Okay. Well, yeah, hey, I hope that's going to motivate more people to, to listen to donate so they can listen. <laughs> what if I just mute that part and then they're like, "What? Who's a guest?" <laughs> I'll just bleep it out. I'll never tell. Guys, that beautiful, beautiful man, Wink, is a guest on Tasmanites. <laughs> so yes, it is three. Because they do, like, the one episode for, I want to say, the 2016? Yeah. Uh, Pledge Drive. And then, yeah, 2017 had, like, a two-part episode. Because there was just too much. Oh, okay. Their guest was too much. There had to be two parts. <laughs> but I don't think it was enough to necessitate a previously. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it did. I think it did not have one. So this is a momentous occasion. Yeah. Way to go, Trav. MC. MC Travis. And this, this is also significant because they have confirmed a favorite fan theory that they are, yes. in fact, naming their arcs in, well, not alphabetical order, but after different letters of the alphabet. I, B, B, I C, feel like now A, they D. are. Now they're like, okay, we've we've made it. Right. They've, <laughs> they've realized what they have. And Travis says that the next one's going to be Extravagance, which I want to believe is just the new, the drag queen arc. And I'm very excited <laughs> about that one. I would love to DM that arc. That's that, where we'll get our yeah. RuPaul deity. All your RuPaul dreams will finally come true. Finally. I have so many RuPaul dreams. I cannot wait for them all to come true. I think I think the going theory is that it will be elementary for a detective arc. Quit then... stepping on my RuPaul dreams. <laughs> well, you know, maybe there's going to be drag detectives. Exactly. Well, it is actually not a spin that they haven't done on Sherlock Holmes because they did that too. Ooh. This is our new Sherlock Holmes podcast. (laughs) So we not only got confirmation on the names, we also get a bit more of information on how this arc is going to go. At the end of our show before, last week, I had been like, what's the timing going to look like? And Trav explains the whole concept of breaking up the hours into two to three beats per hour, depending on how the group is structured. And I'm with uh, Griff and Justin. It sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's it's going to be good for structuring the story, and it also mm-hmm. limiting limiting their options a little bit makes it a little clearer for, sure. for them to choose yeah. what they should do next. Especially no, having really advantages or disadvantages of splitting the party. Mm-hmm. This is just kind of like my overarching impression just here at this first episode. I feel like this one's structured really well immediately, and mm-hmm. I think that we got to just kind of dive in very quickly with characters. I feel like I I laughed more at this episode than I have in any of the mini arcs so far. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they all start together right away. Yeah, this was a good comedy. Which is super up. nice. Yeah. Can I say really quick about the play mechanic when they were describing it about how, you know, time passing, of course, and people being available or not, it really took me back to Ocarina of Time. And I feel like oh, that absolutely. was the first time I had that as a mechanic and I just completely fell in love with the idea that it's nighttime now, so these stores are closed, but now this place is open, but you can't get right. here until, like, this day. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. So when he was describing it like yeah. that, it took me that, back to that moment, and I was very excited. It makes it a bit more realistic. It gives a bit more realism to the story in that, of course, not everybody's going to be up and available at any moment for you mm-hmm. in these eight Especially hours. Especially midnight. Where everybody's asleep except for Augustus. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't sleep. Oh, my God. Is there a possibility that I'm a ghost? Should I be concerned about this? Because <laughs> I'm definitely awake at midnight. <laughs> I think we may have found exactly what this is. Like, I represent the vampires. Brittany represents the werewolves. I think, Anne, you might represent the ghosts. This does make sense. <laughs> so it shall be. What's next? So we're, we're starting this episode. We're jumping right back in to what we already knew was kind of the setup that we're in the sheriff's office Dylan Mathis, the the suspect, is in a cell, uh, and the body is now off at a graveyard. And I I have to say my first question, because they they jump almost straight into this. Brittany, how do you feel about Griffin's character voice for your new boyfriend? I'm digging it. I was very pleased, because it didn't sound like Griffin, which was my concern, if we remember, with Remy, was they were very, very similar. Very different. But it also didn't sound like any of his other characters. Mm -hmm. So, And I think it hit that... Like, I'm half transformed, like, I'm going to be a little bit gruffer, but still very pleasant, because that's his whole persona, like, shaking hands, smiling at people. So, no, I thought it was fantastic. I feel the same way. I just wanted to defer to you as the Uh werewolf expert. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Then, well, how did we all feel about um, Augustus? Listen, my (laughs) takeaway from this entire thing is that... Like, I have this written down at the end of my notes, but I can say it here at the top. I don't think Justin can play an unlikable character even if he tries. It's I just agreed. not going to happen. I forgot that not. that was Augustus even, like, we didn't like him. Because I, yeah, he started talking. I was like, God, that Southern draw, how dare you? And then, you know, we'll get into it. But, oh, my God, Augustus. Oh, we'll get into so much. I have so much to say about this one. Again, I'm very, very happy with this. I already love where it's going. And who these characters are, what they're bringing to the table. And even Clint, uh, his voice for Gandhi is very, it's a little bit small, a little mm-hmm. bit. A lot softer. Thoughtful. Like, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more patient. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was just a choice in terms of when you're trying to do a female character that you don't want to overplay it too much. Certainly. It's also, I feel like we get a good sense of her personality as being yes. different mm-hmm. from the way yeah. that he's he's using the voice. Right. Uh, well, you guys were saying earlier about uh, Justin and doing this, this the comedy in this in this arc so far, and he does that whole bit where Augustus is saying, like, oh, I can see the ghost right behind you, and oh he gets God. immediately <laughs> shut down, which, aside from being hilarious, is also great setup for Travis to tell us some more about the faction, the law, yeah. That, that that these characters represent. So right. cause this is stuff we didn't know, that it's not just we're the law in this town, but they also work for some kind of, like, demon judge dread yeah. ghostwriter kind of 
justice figure. It's an entire, like, faction. It's an Yeah, and they've got, like, system. spooky powers, kind of, to tell whether or not people are lying to them. Right. Which it's is very cool. Yeah, it's very neat. And I'm wondering, so I've noticed how it's the law and the church. Mm-hmm. Is Trav mm-hmm. just having trouble coming up with fun names, or is it... I don't want to get this confused with anything, and it's just, that's the way this world works. To me, that is a very deliberate choice, and to be very just firm, and like, this Mm -hmm. is just how it is. Like, it's these people wanting to be very bare bones about it, and I could be wrong, and it could be him doing it for some (laughs) other reason, but to me, I feel like that's a very powerful choice to just use such basic descriptions to define entire factions really Mm -hmm. well and also using those extending those archetypes that were already built into the game to the way that you talk about these factions especially in a mini arc really simplifies things so you don't have to memorize quite as many character names and place names and all of these concepts at once i think it it it's dramatically effective but it also streamlines the gameplay for everybody yeah Mm -hmm. makes sense Asked and answered. Thanks, guys. (laughs) That's what we're here for. So, yeah, we have Sheriff Connors is our sheriff's name and Deputy Rosa, and they're both part of the law here. And I just wanted to mention both of their names because I'm sure they're going to continue being important here Mm -hmm. because they kind of set us off on our journey. And they don't go too far initially. They they check in with Dylan. They try to get him to talk. My poor baby. Stuck in a... And they keep calling it a cage. (laughs) So Anne had said they Zell, keep calling but it a cage, which I feel like is a little cage. insulting. It is insulting because I feel like it's half size, and I see him like curled into it, which uh, you know it's just a visual thing. You've, for got, me. A, you've got him in like a dog crate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you say cage, I think cage, and those are the cages I know about. So there you go. But yeah, my poor baby. I feel. How old is he? Do we know? I was wondering that, too. We don't have ages on them. Okay. I imagine young adult. Okay, Like, same. adult man, but not I'm thinking, like, 18 to old. 22. Like, old That's enough to be tried, but not old mm-hmm. enough to be, like, wise about the world or anything. Exactly. Young, dumb, Agreed. and hopefully in a forbidden romance. <laughs> Fingers Amen. crossed. Amen. There it is. Yeah, we don't... He's very quiet. We don't get a lot from him. But damn it, Errol's going to try. He's, he, we get a couple times in this one, and I love it. Errol being like, no, these are my people. I, I got uh-huh. this. And he's very optimistic. He's going he's gonna to use that those personal traits he's got. He tries so hard. But and it Dylan's given work. nothing. And then when Augustus is like, I'm in the cage now, too. And I could be here all <laughs> night. I laughed so hard. I had to pause it for a minute. Oh <laughs> like, because that's such, that's a great visual. Cage, not great. Really mm-hmm. great. Augustus floating in there and being like, deal with this now. This comes up again later. Like, this gets really driven home later. But I do have to say, I feel like Im- immediately the impression I get of this team is that Somehow, Errol and Augustus are our goofs, and Gandhi, despite being our youngest, is the most sensible. Like, she's still going to have fun, because she's played by Clint. Of course she's going to be fun. But shes <laughs> I feel like she's going to be the most sensible one of the group. Yeah, but, yeah. I agree. And I, I'm, I definitely, I, I very much enjoy the idea of, of Errol just insistently calling Augustus Gus, even though uh-huh. he hates it. I hope that <laughs> happens so later. much, yes. <laughs> I want that to be a continual thing. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we don't get much out of Dylan besides he says her. And so now we know there's 
a girl of some sort involved in whatever this is. But he's not giving him anything else. Oh, but then Griff fucking blasts off a corruption point. Oh, yeah. Right off the bat here. That was, yeah, the big surprise that Errol's on his way. Yeah, I thought Augustus was, was going to take corruption first. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. We all had our money on Augustus, and he was like, <laughs> surprised even me. And yeah, I don't know if you guys know this. He's only got five of those. And on the fifth box, his his character retires as a threat. I'm so calling it right now. Not... We're losing. We're losing Errol. Oh. Well, yeah, maybe. Okay. We might, but in we that might. way. I just wanted to hear what Bernie would do. I hope. <laughs> here's my hope. That when that happens, <laughs> he goes full wolf all the time. And he's like fully formed. Oh. Like if we're going to do it, let's do it. And make him like always a werewolf. And then make him president. <laughs> he's really bad. <laughs> USA. Okay, so back on task. Uh, when Griffin uses his corruption point, it points them toward the cemetery because it's, it's not Dylan's blood. It's presumably Jeremiah Blackwell's blood. So it's off to the cemetery. And on the way, as they're passing through town, it Travis describes it as being like unnerving. Yeah. It's just, it's off. It feels mm-hmm. like somebody's watching them. I love Justin's. That's evocative as fuck. Comment I'm like, yeah, there's the pull quote for the back of the book right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a very beautiful way he he worded it. <laughs> Justin was speaking for all of us. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, they follow as Griffin put it. The stink lines lead them God. to <laughs> they they don't go to the church. They go to the little house in the cemetery, which is where the the scent is carrying them. Where they open the door and see the most beautiful man in the world. Basically. (laughs) what I mentioned last week comes true this week. Oh, that's true. Does everybody remember? I I do remember. I said Michael's the name of an angel. And lo and behold, we meet Michael the angel. We are very good at this. Someone paid attention in church. (laughs) I love church. (laughs) The church. Okay. But I love that he's just beautiful. Like... Broad and beautiful. I know. I was like, Errol has been, you know, so much Bernie's person. I was like, oh, is this one for me? Thank you. <laughs> he is gifts, also gifts covered in blood, everyone. I might point out. <laughs> I'll take it. I was saying, I feel like that falls on brand for her, though. We're good. <laughs> if this were an angelic robot covered in blood, I'd be like, shut it down. We did it. But yeah, we meet Michael and... His reveal is very good. It is because it good. starts off as being very like omniscient. I know all your names immediately. They're all new in town. You shouldn't know this. That he knows too much. And then oh, when Gandy mm-hmm. puts it together and Clint is just losing it, I was like, <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> He's very, very good. It's just well played. Like they know their characters so well that and saying the whole thing with Gandy and death that she is mm-hmm. terrified of it and absolutely hates the idea of it to be now faced with the, essentially the angel of death. Yeah, confronted That's, with it, yeah. with this, like, physical mm-hmm. form. More than she could handle. Throws up in the corner. <laughs> Through Augustus. Through Augustus. Again, Amazing visuals. make a character we're going to dislike. <laughs> it's impossible. He's just too damn good. <laughs> I, I did also like Errol being totally unflapped by Michael being kind of slow talking and spooky and just like, oh, hey, we're here to do a job. Let's get on with it right. and not, like, not wanting to put up with that. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Time is money, friend. Let's go. 
so what's cool here is that they all kind of they they don't break up entirely but they all have something that kind of catches their attention that they move and do in this scene which i like i like that we get gandy investigating the body um augustus talking to jonathan the ghost out in the cemetery and then errol wanting to try to get some information out of michael Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good move that they kind of kept it together while still being able to break apart and do what they need to do. Yeah. Keep, yeah. yeah. Keep the story moving. Was was good turn taking yes. on their part. Now, I'm interested to see what happens with the information that Augustus gets from Jonathan, um, just because of the way that Jonathan talks about how it felt when Jeremiah was killed, when he felt his spirit or whatever. It mm-hmm. was... I think he says, like, confused or... Yeah, confused. Confusion and betrayal. Yeah. So you know that's going to come back into play. And I like that they specifically did say, like, it normally is fear or... Shoot, I can't remember the other one. But it was definitely not like that's what was weird about it. Fear and anger is normally what it is. But it was confusion and betrayal this time. And I was like, oh, no. So probably somebody he knows. Somebody done did something. Poor boys. (laughs) Uh, So then we go over to Gandy, who is investigating the body, and Clint describes her as collecting scabs, but it's dried blood, Uh, and a powdery substance in what is described as Wolverine-like claw marks (laughs) on the body. I feel like it is so much less gross to say I'm collecting dried blood than I'm collecting scabs. Clint. Oh, it was so much grosser. Why you got to do this? Trace would be the, uh, these are obviously not big CSI fans or you would have called it Trace. <laughs> there you oh, go. I would not have known to call it that. Same. Me neither. Yeah, spooky spooky CSI is a little little wacky, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode of, of some TV show, and I can't remember what it was, where someone is murdered and they're trying to make it look like it was a werewolf or some kind of creature, of and they do use metal metal claws. Oh. But I can't remember what show it was. It's been bugging me all day. It'll come to me eventually. There was an episode of Crossing Jordan. Yeah, I was hoping um... you'd go there. It was a vampire. <laughs> the vampire, exactly. Yes. And poor Nigel wanted it to be true so badly. Nigel was the best person <laughs> in that show, which is why I remember that episode, because he wanted it to be true so badly. And, of course, it wasn't. <laughs> It really wasn't. It to be true. It's always my dream. <laughs> Someday, guys. See, I was about. To, I have not seen the show, and I was about to ask you. Wait, there are vampires in that show. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. So, speaking of of characters that are maybe not the world's greatest investigators, <laughs> Errol decides that he can totally persuade an angel yeah. to tell him what he wants to know. Why not? Yeah, and and fails fails his role, but he does actually. Griffin does actually get something out of him, mm-hmm. which is sort of a creepy premonition kind of thing yeah. that there are three possible ways that this could go and they succeed in all of them but that may not be a good thing right that that success is not always the good ending yes anybody who's played video games with multiple endings knows this okay the big information they get from michael errol's talking to him errol now owes him a debt yes and this is the first time that we've had somebody exchange that in, in the course of the story that you know, to, to agree to say, I will, I will owe you a debt if you give me more information. So now Errol owes Michael Griffin a debt. Griffin's just taking all the hits here. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is really. So now they know that there was no fur on the body. So we have further evidence that <laughs> this is supposed to look like a werewolf did it, but that's probably not what happened. It's probably bullshit. Unless. Or it was a werewolf a naked- nudist. <laughs> right. One of those two. Which doesn't even make sense. 
because then there'd be more fur. Come on, people. Maybe he means a werewolf who waxes. <laughs> he just got out from the wax bar. He's ready. That that werewolf had to stop off. Gonna go grab kill an, some Grab people. some S-Bucks. Get his. What's an S-Buck? <laughs> Starbucks. Oh, <geez. laughs> Nobody is listening to the show anymore. He just, hold on, hold on. No, I figured it out. He yeah, just came back yeah, from the salon. the picture. He's back from the salon, very recently waxed. Nails are manicured mm. with a uh, trace metal, which is how oh. you get that. Yeah. Oh, metallic yeah, yeah, nail yeah, polish. Yeah. There you go. Glitter, that That's glitter nail polish is going to get you. We have to find the fanciest werewolf. In town, there's a killer. So imagine Done. this, everybody, just in the movie that this is. Just there's the slow pan over of everybody in the town lined up. And then there's just one, like, glittering, shiny <laughs> person because they have no hair. And they're like, what? It wasn't me. I swear it wasn't me. And then they're like, boom, you're under arrest. Done. That's next episode. We've already solved this case. It was that nudist werewolf <laughs> holding the Starbucks venti caramel macchiato <laughs> the shiny shiny nails so, uh, well next yeah. arc let's go boys <laughs> but for real <laughs> oh boy so here okay before we get to that point before we find out that this person who is per- probably purvis um before we find out that purvis <laughs> is the one who did it we get an example of the team splitting up i appreciate mm-hmm. all of these things where they're like let's I'm going to take a debt. I'm going to corrupt. I'm going to let's break up the party. Because Gandy goes to her library. I had to check and make sure I was going to say it correctly. That's how you say library in Kentucky. Library. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I love that. And I want that voice clip. I'm just going to isolate it. It was very good. So she's going to go to her library, which is now how I'm just going to hear it. And here's where we meet... No longer Michael, now Uncle Oni. And you guys, this is so good. I was extremely excited oh as a puppet as a puppet nerd. Yeah. That he did that that Clint's pull was Boon Raku, which is, is fairly obscure even in the puppetry community. Sure. I don't know if you guys how much you guys know about Boon Raku. I looked them up, but it feels like it's one of those things where not only if you're into puppets, but then also all three of us um had or have uh, ball-jointed dolls, which I know also mm-hmm. creep people out. So it's almost like this, like, combination. If people are creeped out by dolls or creeped out by puppets, oh, no, you are in nightmare town. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. But go ahead. I had to look it up. If you know, like, if you got some info yeah, for I mean, us, it is, lay it on us. It is a really old uh, Japanese puppetry mm-hmm. art form, which has, has struggled a lot lately, but, but is still popular. It was originally potentially had religious ceremony connotations like you weren't even allowed to see these performances they were just for the gods but then they started doing them as public performances probably sometime in the 1600s and these are big puppets they're not marionettes which i think a lot of people think when they look at pictures of them they're about a half or a third the size of a human but there's a primary puppeteer that holds the head up on a stick and operates the right arm and the controls for the face because a lot of them have like shift, a marionette yeah. or like a like a, a, dom, a dummy, they can move their eyebrows or close their eyes, and yeah, they can turn into demons. So good. Um, <gasps> yeah, and then there's a second puppeteer who does the other arm, and a third one that does the feet, and they're all on stage. Like you can see the puppeteers yeah. during these performances, but you don't pay attention to them. I've seen Bunraku live. Cool. And 
we these people are incredibly experienced. Like you have to work puppet feet for for ten years before you're allowed to work a left arm. Wow. Oh, wow. So it's a big it's a big thing. Like it's it's a very serious art form. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna I'm actually gonna show you so the the specific when oh, he yeah. mentions about the demon puppets where they do these transforming faces. I actually found a gift. Oh, good. Of one oh, good. I only saw still Dropped pictures. into Skype right now. I'd like to remind everybody that it takes me like 10 yes, seconds yes. longer oh, to Jesus. receive anything. See? I don't have it yet. Oh. It might never we'll go. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here it is. I, I could see the eyes. <laughs> Slow ass internet. Oh, okay. <laughs> If you're not that's scared of puppets, you are now, that's right? That's a fucking jump scare. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it is It is fairly horrifying, but I mean, that is the goal. They're supposed yeah. to be evil characters. It's supposed yeah. to be quite frightening when this happens. Well, now I super get what the boys were talking about. Yeah. I had only seen still pictures, but then as soon as Clint brings up the fact that, like, uh-huh. when... Uncle Oni is angry, the face shifts, and immediately Justin and Griffin are like, no, 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 no. Uh-huh. And now we see why. Yeah. Uh, so not only, like, take everything that Anne just told us about, and like, oh, you need to be so skilled, and it takes three people to... This thing's moving around its own. Oh. Nightmare yeah. town. And it's big. <laughs> and it's, it's big. big. It's not like a little guy. Not a... I mean, a little bit unnerving. A little oh, bit. Just but a little. But it makes sense, then, that, like, Uncle Oni can move around, and... Mm-hmm drive the uh black mariah and right is that it yes yeah okay black just mariah. making sure i was saying that correctly because it's spelled like maria yeah yeah it is i wouldn't worry about it since they can't pronounce uh pince <laughs> oh the glasses it is not pince okay <laughs> i was not sure how to pronounce that correctly i would just it's, went with it's it. french it's pince ah uh, that makes sense so yeah there's some uh little bit nightmare fuel for everybody here with Uncle Oni. Especially paired, paired with Travis's voice for Uncle Oni. It's oh, actually scarier. Oily and his army of darkness. Always. Yes. <laughs> no springs. No springs. Has anybody listening to this has not seen? What is the name of that one even? Oh, gosh. Which episode? Uh, spring one? Fever. It's short. I, don't... I know the short is called <laughs> Spring Fever. I'm not sure what the okay. short uh, DVD might be if the you could mystery. find it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody should have a look at that one because it's very good. Yeah. Coily is a little demon. It all works. It makes so much it sense. It totally fits. So Uncle Oni, with all of his wisdom, does let us know that the residue that Gandhi found on Jeremiah's body is silver, which would seem to point more at werewolves for some reason in this world. That's too easy. Which I still find it confusing that their werewolves have the silver mine, but they're the ones allergic yeah. to them. But our vampires, do they have anything against silver in this world? Copper. No, no, no. They apparently. I would not. say the vampires own the copper oh, like, mine, like, but safety-wise, right? Yeah, right. Are they? Do they have any ills? We don't know anything about vampires. Mm-hmm. At this yeah, point. we're still in the dark, pretty much about them. Let's get over to the Sterling. I know. Talk to some vampires. I was really hoping they would go there. Um, before we leave our girl and Uncle Oni here, here's my formal request for a, I call it a spotlight issue of Gandhi and how she met Uncle Oni yes. as she was traveling the world, mm-hmm. just because, Please. God, I want to hear that story. Yeah, that that's a cool name, too, and I don't know I mean, I don't know how many weeaboos listen to this to Taz. Uh, probably a lot, a but number. since we didn't mention it, Oni Oni is Japanese for demon. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
So she's calling this little guy Uncle Demon mm-hmm. the whole time. I'm a little disappointed she didn't go with Onisan because then it would have been a double entendre because it sounds almost exactly like the word for, for brother. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love this character and I, I love that in the course of having this conversation to get this information that we they set up the mechanic that he will answer three questions for her yeah. a day. But then he's going to try and goad her uh, and say, hey, I could tell you off the bat. So I know who did uh-huh. this and I can tell you. I just need a little bit of that soul. Just want to further that deal. Little taste. That temptation is an interesting dynamic. For sure. And I'm so glad that we're getting it again right here in this first episode. Thanks, gentlemen. And speaking of gentlemen, uh, let's talk about our boys, Errol and Augustus. Or Gus, as he preferred to be called. (laughs) In an attempt to gather a little bit more information before they contact Abigail Mathis, the werewolf matron who hired them, they do not go to the Sterling. They don't go to the vampire hangout. They go to the werewolf hangout, where they run into Abigail Mathis, the werewolf matron who hired them. And so Errol can get some root beer. I think that was a... (laughs) Beer. <laughs> that was the driving they point the here. Best yeah. beer. Knock your socks off. <laughs> P.S. Always happy for a matriarch, but give me that female werewolf alpha head of the pack. Always yeah, my yeah. favorite thing. Like I feel like that's yeah. how it should be in nature. That's how it should be in every reiteration of werewolf lore. I love it, and I'm I'm already digging Abigail so much. Hell yeah, she's dope. Yeah. Wolf wolf mother protecting her cub kind of going on absolutely yeah i mean so there's this weird contrast here because we've got abigail kind of freaking out about this whole situation but in the background this whole time errol is still trying to get his root beer (laughs) and having no luck and then augustus (laughs) decides that this is going to be his thing and the root beer mug starts floating (laughs) and filling itself up and i i love this this bit is so good in the context i mean the visual of it is fantastic and then so you know good. he pulls out Wilder, the bartender, pulls out his ghost smacking club, which apparently this is a significant problem in this town. <laughs> this uh, must come right? up a lot if he's got this under the bar. Well, and I wonder if it's not so much even just like a ghost thing, but like a general, but yeah. like a general means of stepping to a more ethereal entity or mm-hmm. something that can be felled by a more holy item, if you will. Yeah, I wonder if mm-hmm. that's it. But I do love, so much of this is so good because not only is Errol trying, first, Errol try, almost orders two root beers, which is adorable. I love <laughs> adorable. that. He's about to say two, then he's like, oh, wait, just one. Because, of course, his <laughs> buddy's now invisible. But then, double adorable, The Augustus is like, well, I'll give him a fucking root beer if you're not going to do it. <laughs> like, it's really cute. It's funny, but it's also a little sweet, and I like it. I think it's in character, too, honestly. Because even though Augustus, we were initially, I think, in the setup arc, pitched him as being kind of a hard ass he was also a take yeah. charge kind of dude and i think yeah. he's he's at the situation where this proprietor is not doing their job he's of course he's going to be like yeah i'm hands-on i'm going to get in there and i'm going to do it do for it. you because this is no yeah. way to run a business <laughs> i love it yeah <laughs> i would love if that's the whole point of it like that's his businessman taking over like come on the man ordered to drink you got to give him a drink that's how a business <laughs> is run you got to do this and it's not so much a... He oh, really is Invisible Boss. That's it. There we go. <laughs> Remember how last week I was like, you guys, I'm starving for some jackassery. Ugh. They fucking, <laughs> mm-hmm. they heard my heart. They, they served it to you in a root beer mug. <laughs> they ghostly <laughs> grabbed a root beer mug and filled it full of dreams and slid it down the bar <laughs> And oh my God, thank you. 
But wait, what is the bartender's name? Wilder. Wilder. Thank you. <clears throat> Wilder, like you said, is not having it. And he's quick to threaten this uh, this ghoul that's in his bar. <laughs> this pranking ghoul. He's completely no nonsense, even though all he's seeing is a floating mug. <laughs> I love that not only does Augustus put it back, he washes it first. Uh-huh. Like, nope, don't mind me. Wasting all that root beer. That's true. It's very wasteful. Your boy just wants some root beer. I mean, beer. that was legit the first thing I thought. It was like, he dumps it. I'm like, no, I wanted that. I would have taken it. Listen, the boys are just trying to have some fun. And Wilder's not having it. Abigail's not having it. Um, but in speaking to Abigail, we do get an answer to that initial mystery of who was this her to whom Dylan is referring. He likely means his twin sister, Anne, which I'm deciding for the sake of this show is named after you. That's uh, our stance. Probably not. I did I it did is. like the most extra person on the planet. I did actually tweet at Travis. Although I, I suspect that since he just got back from the Joko cruise and was geeking out about hanging out with Will Wheaton, that it may be Anne Wheaton, Will Wheaton's ah. wife, rather than me. Although we have our names are spelled the same way. It's both A N N E. Mm-hmm. which is slightly less common, it seems like. So if it's not named after a listener who may or may not be me, it might be her, but we're just going to chalk it up as a victory for, for people show. named Anne, just <laughs> generally. A victory for all of us. There's not, there's not a ton of us. We'll leave it until they say further. It's just a victory for all of you. Congratulations, all Anne's. Your twin brother is in jail, covered in blood. Um, uh. So what was interesting there, though, was that she says that they're twins, and then she says that they're from the same litter, which then made me go, wait a minute, how are baby werewolves born? <laughs> because litter is an interesting term. I have always imagined for, like, if, if your werewolves... Like, like it is in this show, where it's not, it's inherited, it's not necessarily a you were turned later. My thought was uh-huh. always, I mean, a baby werewolf would turn into a little puppy on a full moon, and that would be a human baby yeah. the rest of the time. But, like, for a couple days, or for at least a, a night, you'd have a little puppy wolf. I mean, that's my favorite idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I like that. I don't, I mean, since we know that Errol's powers did not manifest until later in life. We don't know for right. sure that that's true. They may just be regular humans. I think I think the litter comment was mostly for flavor, but I do I think that is an adorable concept. So we're just going to go with that. Aside aside from our questions that uh, that we now have about werewolf babies, mm-hmm. Abigail also gives us the setup for next episode, which is that she gives them yes. house keys. She says she won't leave because she's not going to she... leave her son, but she gives them a key so that they can go and see the sister. Who I'm yeah. gonna feel really weird referring to by name, but we'll we'll get there. <laughs> and then she also very ominously says that if they fail, that she's Plan B, which Ooh. sounds like it might not be a great Plan B, since she's in the course of starting to transform at the time. It's gonna mm-hmm. be a rough Plan B. Mm-hmm. Well, and a I... rough wink. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, a very dope line on which to end the show. Uh, but take a step back with me, if you will. So I can, I just want to spotlight Griff's last line here because it's so good when he says, I think somebody who's been living around the mines for as long as you have would know a powder keg when you saw one. <laughs> Boy, that is so good. Yeah, that uh-huh. was good. I'm just so impressed yeah, by all dues, of them. Man. It's me holding up my phone. <laughs> You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> okay, is there anything we missed? Anything else we want to mention? The only thing I was going to say is there was another woman in the bar 
with Abigail. There were two other they women. Never really, yes. Oh, I thought there were just the two. It was Abigail no, it was, and another no, it woman. No, it was Abigail and then someone else. Oh. I misheard that then. Okay. But yeah, yes. not there so together, there is... but just kind of like, there's no. another human there that we have not interacted with. Or not human. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe human. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Just because you're at a werewolf mm-hmm. bar doesn't mean you have to be a werewolf. But yeah. That's right. That was my only like, I, like, little note. Like, inclusive. hey, pay attention. Notice those little <laughs> background details. But it might just have also been like, look, she's not a crazy person alone here. There's someone else. Yeah, it might have just been a person. Like back in Refuge. Right. Back in the Davy Land. Oh. Ah. <laughs> let's times. all reminisce. Okay. So before we go, we do have a response to last week's poll where we asked, is there such a thing as a cool vest? And in a landslide, the answer is undoubtedly yes. With 88% saying yes and 12% saying no. I would love to imagine every single person taking the poll wearing their vest. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Of course it's cool. Look at me. I look amazing. So with that out of the way, where should we meet up next time? The Full Moon Saloon or the Sterling? We'll have a poll up over on Twitter at Romancing Zone. Till next week, thanks so much for listening. I'm Nell Bailey. I'm Brittany Bailey. And I'm Jeremy, the silent fifth member of the Adventure Zone. <laughs> we finally got him. And we've been Romancing the Zone. Romancing the Zone.